But the idea is that you set some things up so that you have a focus and your horses have a focus and they start to get confident in like, ah, I know how to do this. Welcome to the Equestrian Zen Podcast. I'm here at the Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center with Alyssa Hicks, Margie Peerboom, and I'm Rachel Steen. Great, and today we're going to talk about how routines actually help our horses to be less anxious and to be able to predict an outcome. They are much more focused and willing to try things if they are used to having a routine. By that I mean you know, we all work with our horses and um, teach them new things, and we all get excited about it. But it's really, really hard for the horses. It's challenging mentally. And sometimes we need to just reinforce them for routine things. I just found with my horse that he's a lot more calm and open to learning if he's not anxious about what I'm going to ask him to do. And he begins to realize that there's a pattern or routine and it's predictable. Then he, he calms right into the learning process and participates. So Yeah, I've, I've found that um, it really helps horses that have had some uh, negative experiences in their life. I mean, it also helps horses that are learning, especially young horses, to, to have a routine and know what is coming next. But uh, it's especially important for horses that get overly anxious about and worried about what is going to be asked of them next. So I always like to have kind of an outline of, you know, a beginning of a session, middle of a session, end of session. We can add more things in, but just being able to have like a certain routine so that they know what what is expected of them and then, you know, kind of branch off from there, it, it helps give both the human and the horse some direction. So when we were first talking about this, what came to mind for me was setting up these routines help us set our horse up to know when we want them to try new things and when we want them to stand calmly. So a lot of people have trouble with teaching a bunch of stuff to their horse. They get so excited. Their horse knows all these things. They can kind of guess what to do, but that means their horse is constantly in a state of guessing which is really fun if you're trying to shape new behavior, but not really fun if you're trying to pick out their hooves. So setting it up so that they come out and know, okay, we're going to say the hitching post or our grooming area, and this is a space where I don't need to guess. I'm gonna stand here, maybe eat some mush, and just get reinforced for not moving, and that's great. Now I know I don't need to free shape anything, as opposed to going to an area where I wanna learn a new behavior and the horse goes, oh, this is now the part of the session where I try new things so I can do that without it being annoying to my person who's like, no, please stand still, I'm trying to get you to. So really just making it more clear to the horse when we want something, you know, different places where we want something and just having more clear cues, which is another thing I know we're gonna talk about is kind of setting them up with cues to help it be more successful. Right, yeah, and uh, so an example of a routine would be uh, a routine in which you are practicing your cues, you're practicing your behaviors to make sure that they are clear and consistent. Would be such as, you know, when you go out to get your horses, you might do some self-haltering practice to make sure that they stick their head in the halter. Also like having them go through the gate, I practice a going ahead of me 
So I have a go, which makes, means walk on ahead of me a few feet. And then, of course, we get to practice ho. And, you know, that just getting them through a gate and to stop and then go forward from there. You know, you've got several things that you can work on right there. And then when we go across the yard, we're working on leading at liberty or just leading. If you have a horse that we can't quite let loose on the property, we'll have a lead rope and a target and we're still working just on touch the target, come with us, um, these kind of things. But then we might go to a grooming area and give them some Timothy mush to eat while we are um, also clicking and treating while we're grooming or touching them when their head is forward and they're standing still and so that we can work on a stand head forward or stationing so th there's a lot of things that we can do just right there and that's just getting your horse out getting them haltered and going to get groomed yeah i mean that <clears throat> you just mentioned about you know probably a five to ten minutes of being with your horse that you can now utilize as something productive yeah, and the thing that people also forget is that when you put your horse up, it's also part of the training process. And uh, often people are like, you know, just they're like, okay, we're done. And they try to put their horse up. And what you'll find as you're starting out with clicker training is that your horses don't want to go up. Your horses want to continue playing the game. They want to continue seeing what choices they'll get paid for. So you need to make sure that putting the horses up is still part of the game, is still part of your training session, and that you can add in some targets or some platforms or a ball or something so that your horses are engaged while you're still taking them back to their turnout. And then of course giving them a big jackpot where they can eat safely uh, away from other horses before uh, turning them out completely. So you're basically saying that that whole process, making it a routine, actually helps the horse in the learning process. Is that what you're saying? So that's yeah. the that's the yeah the, the the basic structure, and then you start adding in some of your other pieces from there. So like we have <laughs> patterns with cones and mats and things set up in the yard, and a, a roundabout or a reverse round pen. And so you start putting in extra pieces. You, have, you Like I said, you get your beginning, middle, and end. You want your more demanding, difficult, or challenging behaviors that you're going to train. You want those in the middle because you want your horses to have a chance to relax and get in the swing of things and get their, you know, warmed up and you're warmed up. And then, so, so say if, if after grooming or in the middle of grooming, if you know if grooming isn't your horse's favorite thing you might need to start out very slowly with that so you might only do a couple minutes of, of grooming maybe even touching your horse while they stand still and then you go back and do a pattern of touch target on cones but the idea is that you set some things up so that you have a focus and your horses have a focus and they start to get confident in like, ah, I know how to do this. As they start getting confident in what it is that you're gonna be asking for, 
then you can start adding in some of your your new things so like say that you've you've done your grooming you've done some touch target in a pattern that you've you've set up and your horse is you know still like feeling really good and you feel really good you know then you might go over to a different place and do some shaping so like we have a little area set up where we're shaping a horse to back up in pretend protected contact where we have like a little jump standard with a pole and so the student can be on the other side and, the, and we have some poles set up so that the horses have a nice little channel uh, to help with straightness and so we can do a few steps of backing through shaping and we're very clear about you know when we're shaping and protected contact that you know we have a feed pan and we can throw a few on the ground and then uh, ask for you know some steps and we reward every try but we might only do like two minutes of that and then we go back to maybe touching some targets in our pattern and then maybe we're going to go back to the barn now or go back to taking the horse out so that fits within our pattern mm -hmm. right but again um by for us to think about ah well i here's where i'm sticking that new behavior here's where i'm sticking that shaping behavior and it's within this framework of everything else is is very um predictable mm -hmm. it as soon as we go back to what is predictable and what has routine, then our horses are gonna go, okay, yeah, I know this. Mm -hmm. So even if they get a little stressed by trying to figure out, you know, solve for X, which is, you know, what shaping is, then they calm right down. Okay. Also, you know, one thing that I've noticed that's kind of built into a lot of the lessons here is in the beginning, you know, like you're talking to, when we get to the hitching post, we've got mush, we've got hay or something, you're making sure your horse is not starving, which makes training a lot easier. You know, as on top of using low value rewards, you know, if your horse feels like, say, you know, it's been an hour or two since they've eaten something, it's a horse they want to eat pretty much all the time, giving them those five, 10 minutes of you grooming and them having just hay or something really low value to kind of munch on really can help with calming them down as well. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, um, I think that having a specific area where you're you're grooming and you're feeding them, you know, that they get to eat at will, that when you start tacking them up at Liberty in that same area, uh, again, it helps, you've, you've been counter conditioning so that that area becomes something enjoyable for the horse, even if in the past they've been having pain with saddles or with riding. So um, again, the, the routine part also is going to be working to help create some new positive experiences that will help as you start adding in some things that they've had bad experiences with in the past. So it becomes like a safe zone for them. They, they, they're a comfortable zone. We want yeah. that yeah. to be a safe zone. Definitely. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I would, I would say as an example, uh, my horse Ringo, He's had some issues with the grooming area, and he 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 doesn't like being tied up, and, and it comes from having been tied up in in years past in different situations, and so it allows all we're doing right now is just trying to reinforce that this is a comfortable area, it's a safe area. If you need to take a break, 
let's go touch some tones, cones and come back. And I did a little bit of that today, and there, he was great. But there comes a time where he starts to fidget and move, and it's like, okay, let's go take a break. He's telling me I, I need a break. So that allows us, by having set up this routine, it allows him to communicate to me, I need a break now. Yeah. And so. Well, and just an aside, we have seen that horses that are anxious or skittish or spooky or, you know, any kind of um, descriptor you want there, those those horses do so much better when you are working them at liberty yeah. for most of their work until they are able to stay with you at liberty then you really don't want to tie them up and even after they'll stay with you at liberty you want to go very slowly in how long you do tie them up and you always want to make sure that when you start teaching them to tie that you have worked on them so they feel comfortable if they do accidentally hit the rope. You know, part of why we work with them at Liberty so much, especially in lessons, is that we as people are just not as observant as we should be. And so sometimes the horse is trying to tell us more subtly, I'm not ready, but they're tied up. And especially if they've been traditionally trained in the past, they really feel pretty trapped in that scenario. Whereas if they're at liberty, they might walk a few steps away. And, you know, if we didn't notice the signs before that, we need them to be able to clearly tell us, no, 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 I was already anxious. You didn't notice. So I need to get away from this situation. And most of the times it really is just a few steps away, but they feel a lot more comfortable doing that completely at liberty. And we are never chasing the horses around the yard you know they never go far it just allows them the ability to communicate a little better because like I said we just don't notice as much as we should a lot of the times especially you know we have beginners you can't really expect them and it kind of lets them be really clear with people yeah yeah and I would pick up on what you just said they do come back it, yeah, I mean, it, they don't go far. They don't go far, and, and I just wait a few, uh, usually less than a minute, and uh, Ringo eats, and then he looks up at me like, are we going to do this thing? Oh, and yeah. And I say, come, yeah, yeah and he like, comes back. I mean, <laughs> I think you should tell about Gunther and his amusing uh, ways of saying that he's not okay with something. Yeah, so we have a horse in training here that was very shut down when he first got here and that he just wouldn't offer any behaviors. You know, he was very still, very suspicious of me and just no movement at all. And so it took him longer than most horses I've worked with to touch a target. And then once he kind of figured out what we were doing and realized that he had a choice in things, he really started to get excited about, you know, working with me. He's just been so great. I love, love working with him. And he almost, he just never does any big reactions to anything I ask him until I took him over to the trailer. So I knew he'd been trailered here. He'd obviously been in the trailer, but I didn't know what his experience was. So I just wanted to kind of start building up good experiences with the trailer at Liberty. And in his typical fashion, you know, he walked right up with me very much like, all right, I'm ready to try what you want to try. Saw that it was the trailer, put one foot on it, got his reward, and then bolted off, took off across the yard, <laughs> At a full canter, I never see him move this fast. He always stays right with me. Took off, and then I... So I stood there at the trailer and waited. And then he cantered right back to the trailer. So it was very clear as he was like, 
I don't know if I trust this trailer thing and I've had a lot of trouble with it before so I need to really get away from it. But on the other hand, he's like, well, I do still want to do stuff with you. So he came back to be like, maybe something else? <laughs> At which point, you know, I fed him and left the trailer and we've just kind of, the first probably three sessions that I included the trailer, he would take off at first at a canner and then at a trot, but every time, you know, he'd go 100 feet or so away, turn around, think for a second, and then come at the same speed back to me, which I just thought was precious, but it was clear that he had a very strong feeling that if he had been on a lead rope and a halter, I don't think he would have done any of that because he was so much like, I kind of have to do what I have to do in this scenario, but since he didn't have those things, he was able to be like, no, <laughs> I disagree with this idea. So I've had a lot of fun working with Gunther. Even though he's been said no so clearly, it's been nice to know that he has the option for that. And again, that he comes back. You know, they always, they come back because they want to participate. And this is the thing that we do. The trailering is in the middle of the session like we were talking about. We don't, I don't take him out and be like, all right, hardest thing I can think of. You really seem to have strong feelings about this trailer. Let's go straight for that. You know, we start... Super easy. He loves touch. He's done great with leading. We might do a little bit of mat work. Then we'll do the trailer, do a lot of reinforcement very heavily there at the trailer. And then we leave the trailer and we don't go back to the trailer. We go back to easy until we turn them out and then it's a big jackpot. So it's kind of, like you said, sandwiched in the middle. Keep the stressful parts as low stress as possible and don't make them be the, you know, right out the gate. Let them settle into the session first. Yeah. Well, that. That is, um, that's great. Uh, it's just, you know, even for young horses or old horses, you know, just, just having that ability to, for them to predict like, okay, we're going to start off with something fun. So they think the session's going to be fun. You add in a little bit of challenge and then you go back to then things that they can totally do. And it also gives you a chance to practice, um, all of your behaviors and, and check and see how how they, they're doing with their cues. Yeah, I mean, if you're setting up your training session as the entire time you're with your horse, then that gives you so many more chances to reinforce using your cues. And I'm particularly talking about verbal cues because our horses are really good at following our bodies. They're used to looking at each other, following each other's bodies. So if we don't use our cues that much, then we get a horse that when we turn away from them and want them to stay, they follow us because what else are they supposed to do? We follow all the time. If you start using a vocal cue more to enforce, now I want you to walk, now I want you to woe, now I want you to stand still, then they can have that extra help besides just how we set up the environment to know, oh, she wants me to stand here for a second. You know, I want to hop in the treat room. I don't need my horse to hop in there with me. I want to be able to ask them to stand there with a word. And then I want to be able to tell them, okay, we don't need to stay anymore we can keep moving. So I think really, especially if you're using vocal cues, you've got to throw those in a well, lot more. And we need those vocal cues for when we are going to ride or drive so that we can then uh, transfer the behavior to a cue that we can use while we're riding or driving. Oh yeah, or just on the ground in a different position. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm trailering the horse and I want them to back out of the trailer, I might not be in my normal spot where I ask for a back. And so I really need you know, a little more help. And so, you know, we kind of have been talking about at the beginning how we want people to set things up so that they can have better cues because then when you're in, say, a new environment or you want to do something different, you have the cues to let your horse know what's going on as opposed to them, 
you know, going back into guest mode, which we know a lot of people get overwhelmed with because their horse is just so fast. <laughs> they're dancing right. all over yeah. the place, yeah. trying to guess what the thing that you want is, and you just wanted them to stand, but that cue is not that strong, so good luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's really been evident with Ringo, too, because it took a long time to get him not to just look at my body and to listen to a cue. And um, it took a lot of patience on my part to, to, to be quiet and be still and use only a cue. And once we were able to do that and, and Ringo started saying, oh wait, that, she's telling me something here. And that I had a lot more options that I could do with him. Yeah. Probably the biggest one is stand and wait. Yeah, and because you know, there's no way to do that with your body. And <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. need you know either a, a hand cue yeah. or a word. And what's so funny is that Ringo is really smart, and he already knew to stand still if I was going to, if I had a hoof pick and I was going for his hooves, that horse yeah. would stand perfectly still. He, I would bring out a fly spray bottle in the middle of the yard. He would stop moving, and I could move all the way around him because that was a clear cue to him. He's like, exactly. this always means stand still, but since I didn't have a word for when I wasn't holding an object and I didn't want him to guess on what to do, he was like, how would I know now is the time to stand still? So we really had to reinforce yeah. that a lot and yeah. get a actual cue. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and we decided yeah. that we wanted that to be more of a default for him. Mm -hmm. And again, setting up the training session in a way where he would have times where he could know now is a time to shape yes. made things so much easier for him. You can just, the, you know, it's got to take the stress level down yeah, no, it immensely does. It because does. they're not guessing yeah, and feeling frustrated because exactly. we're not rewarding because we're like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, and we're never going to be fast enough to yeah. do it before him. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and working those cues in, like you said, Rachel, as part of the whole session, as the easy part, as we, we halter, we leave the, the stall, we go through the gate, whatever, um, now having those cues for the easy part just gets us both into the same rhythm. And this connection rhythm between you and your horse is so important and it gives you that first few minutes of the session to a simple thing like walk on, halt, <laughs> back, or turn. So it just uh, it, it gives you that few minutes to get warmed up, you and your horse and he doesn't right away start guessing what I, what what I'm going to do today. <laughs> well, so. and and for people who are always worried about oh I'm feeding my horse too much or that uh, you know they're like I I, I don't want to reinforce so 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 much. Uh, just as an aside, when you do actually have set routines and your horse knows what it is that you're going to be doing, then you will be uh, you won't have to reinforce as much. You mm -hmm. know like. When we take our horses out of the barn, you know, we if if we're not doing anything in particular, we can, you know, our, our horses will follow us all the way up to the grooming area, which is quite a ways, um, because they know that something good is going to happen after they get there. And so while we don't do this as a part of training, just as an aside, that you will start basically chaining behaviors together, and the horses know what to expect. So. Um, whenever they're really clear on what's happening, they don't need the reassurance of a high rate of uh, reinforcement because they have the, the reinforcement history. 
and the cues, you know, and like you said, cues. chaining behaviors mm-hmm. together. So you can ask for one thing and then ask for the next thing and then the next thing. And the horse can follow those cues and wait till the end of a few behaviors to get their click. So it's not a, right. not a, every single time I'm walking, a few steps I'm clicking. It just depends on what I'm reinforcing that day. If I, you know, have something else going on or maybe we're chatting, we might, I might walk the horse all the way without any clicks. And the horse is like, yeah, cool. We know we're going over here. Sometimes we get reinforced for less, sometimes more. They really start to catch on. And just as you mentioned about chatting, uh, just as an aside, uh, when we do get, you know, to chatting with someone, we make sure that we feed our horses constantly while we are talking, while we are not paying attention to them so that they don't get frustrated because our focus is off of them. So um, I, I always tell my students, when in doubt, feed. <laughs> it really, yeah, it really makes a difference. Keep them, keep reinforcing. You know, I find it's very easy to reinforce the head facing forward, standing still while I'm having a conversation. And that's kind of what I do. I don't even, I don't click. I just keep a rate of reinforcement that will keep my horse happy standing there. And if I can't do that, then I give them a cue that they can just go graze because you're, right. you're only hurting yourself otherwise. Well, and, and the, the nice thing about feeding while you're standing there talking to someone uh, is that, you know, you the bridge signal, we don't have to use a bridge signal if our reinforcement is overlapping the behavior that we want. So when the horse is standing still, that's the behavior we want. So when we're feeding, we don't need to click because, again, the, the food and the behavior are overlapping. So just that's one thing that keeps coming up with with the, my students that I work with here. They're like, when do I click and when do I don't click? And I'm like, well, you don't want to click when you're just feeding for them standing still because you are actually reinforcing the behavior with the food. So there's no time delay. Yeah, and you also don't need to mark a specific moment because that moment is continuing. Right, exactly. So I, I think that should give everyone a few few good hints um, to think about as you're setting up your training plans and and getting out there and working with your horses. The other thing nice about working with a routine is that in the wintertime you can get a lot of things done in a short amount of time. Yep. <laughs> yep. Make the whole training time useful in case you maybe don't want to be freezing for more than 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if, if you spend 10-15 minutes with your horse a few days a week and those those minutes are full of clarity and good feelings for both you and your horse, you're going to make tremendous progress. I agree. So, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you next time.